taken from the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, and it's three sections of that chapter. It should be on the screen behind me, <coughs> or it is on page 274 of the Church Bible. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. <clears throat> Continuing at verse 8, a third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Moving on to verse 19. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from the Gospel of John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, and it's on the screen or on page 1064 of the Church Bible. John chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine, after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, 
Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Lord, reveal yourself to us through your word. Just before we get going, can I ask, has everybody got one of these? I see one nodding. I thought that was likely to be. Can you put your hand up if you haven't got an hour vision brochure? Can I ask you to keep your hand up until you've got one? Don't worry about me carrying on. Jit will uh, get that to you. Thank you. So last month, I shared with you our theme verse for the year, but I didn't actually give it to you, and nor did we read out the passage from which it comes, because I wanted to hold that privilege, that moment for today, for this evening. So here it is, somewhere buried amongst all your papers. Have you got it? Have you found your vision verse card? Have you got one of these? Everybody should have one of these. No, 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 it's in the other one. I think everybody's got one of these, yes? Yes. Put, put your hand up if you haven't got one of these cards. Okay. Uh, put your hands down, because it'll, be, it'll take a little while for David to go out to the reception desk and get a bunch of uh, new sheets, and they're in there. Okay. I'll ask you to put your hands up again in a moment. So here's the vision card. It's taken from the uh, gospel passage we just had. It says uh, it's got a picture of water with Jesus' love transforming lives from the heart of South Sea and then turning from white down into wine red. Jesus' mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Okay, here they come. Put your hands up if you haven't got a vision card. Okay, keep your hands up and I'll carry on. So today is our Vision Sunday. It's a huge privilege for me to stand before you and to share with you the vision that we've been building up as a leadership team, as a PCC and staff team. Uh, you'll see on the front of your vision brochure the words of our um, uh, the words of our vision slogan: "Jesus love transforming lives from the heart of South Sea." And our two readings today have given us uh, a great handle on that vision statement: "Jesus love transforming lives from the heart of South Sea." 
I guess for us too, the word of the Lord may often seem to be rare in our day. There aren't many visions amongst us. Samuel, just a young boy, as it might be in our children's ministry in Bright Sparks or Torchbearers, lives in a city much like ours, where so many people do not hear the word of the Lord and not listening to him. 20,000 people here in South Sea, 200,000 people across Portsmouth, so many of them don't know the power of the Lord Jesus to transform their lives, to heal and to liberate, to restore, to give peace and hope and purpose. So many who don't see the need, can't see the point, and who don't know how to listen, to hear God speaking, to hear his word. So that's why we chose our first vision statement, thank you Nigel, to become a house of contemporary prayer and worship for Portsmouth. A contemporary house of worship and prayer for Portsmouth. We want each of us, leaders, members, our visitors and guests, to be able to say confidently with Samuel, Lord speak, your servant is listening. And like Samuel, we want people to be able to say of us, the Lord is with St. Jude's. They let none of his words fall to the ground. Well, we've got, a, got off to a good start this uh, first six months. Uh, we've ensured that uh, our leadership team meetings, our PCC meetings, and our um, uh, staff meetings always begin with worship and prayer. And I'm hearing stories that uh, around the church, other meetings are starting to, uh, to follow suit, people beginning with worship and prayer. What about your meetings? Are you starting with worship and prayer? But equally, equally, of course, we all need to be praying ourselves. So I want to encourage you to uh, pick up on the invitation you had this evening to join us on Wednesday evening and uh, come and be part of this uh, exciting and significant Lent course for us uh, starting here in church on Wednesday evening. And then we're going to need to launch some creative new ways of pleading with God for our families and our workplace and our communities and our city. So after Easter, JIT's going to be heading up an exciting monthly Go Deeper with God evening of intercession and worship. You'll be hearing more about that in due course, I'm sure. And look out too for training on worship leading and on intercession coming up later in the year. So Jit and I are going to be auditing our worship and our, and our prayer life uh, through the church over this year. And uh, as soon as we can afford it, may not be this month, but hopefully uh, won't be uh, too much longer, <clears throat> we'll be discussing with the PCC how we can start to invest some serious resources in this vision goal of worship and prayer. Perhaps even looking to recruit a new worship and prayer pastor or coordinator uh, other ways in which we can uh, begin to stimulate and strengthen our worship and prayer together. In time, we'd love to see a, a permanent 24-7 venue somewhere here in church. It would take effort and money to be able to set that aside and make it uh, always available and make it uh, possible for people to get at it. And I long to see our worship teams um, building up, leading us in exciting contemporary worship, 
creating their own songs, offering training and, uh, and resource wider in the city. Um, I'm sure that our, our drummer is going to have plans for an even bigger drum kit that, you know, will be able to take over half of the building. All of these things are going to take resource and money from us. But how will you get involved in building up prayer and worship here? As Jesus' mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Of course, without this first vision goal, we can't really do anything that will please God, that will, um, that will uh, um, be empowered by Jesus' spirit. If we want to do anything that will endure, anything worth doing, we have to start in prayer. I know that, in general, we're accustomed, uh, the kinds of people we are, to making things happen. Well, we can make things happen, but we can't make them count for God unless we anchor them in prayer. So all the different stuff that we're seeking to do for Jesus, we have got to begin with prayer and worship. Worship declares our allegiance to Jesus, and prayer roots us into the power and grace of his Holy Spirit. Well, out of that grows the second vision goal, which is to become a center for following Jesus deeper and further, a center for following Jesus deeper and further. We want this to be a place. We want us to be a people where no one is neglected, no one is overlooked, but everyone is drawn in to the life of Jesus, a life of purpose, of intimacy, and power. Now, there are three distinct stages to this. If you want to know God, and his purpose for your life, if you want to know Jesus and what he is offering to you in eternity and now, you have to follow his call. You need to hear his voice calling to you as Samuel heard the Lord calling to him and you need to respond. There are no two ways about that. If you want to follow Jesus into his new life, you've got to hear his call and follow as his disciple. Well, we want to make that as easy as possible for everybody here. So if you haven't yet uh, done an Alpha course, uh, if you haven't found yet a way of responding to Jesus' call to your life, then please come and talk to Jet or I, sign up for an Alpha course. One will be starting just after Easter. How will you start following Jesus? As his mother said, do whatever he tells you. Well, once we start following Jesus, we need to get to know Jesus. We need to draw closer to him. We need to go deeper with him. And that means talking with him, reading our Bible, and praying every day. And if you haven't yet signed up for Bible notes, then please do come and see Jet or I. Um, or David, uh, whose wife Zena is in charge of the Bible Notes uh, Reading Organization Network in church, and we would love to get you signed up for some of those. It means getting to know Jesus, talking with him, as I've said. It means becoming more like him. It means doing the things that he does. And all of these things happen better in groups with other people. So whether you're a new follower or you want to go deeper with him, we'd really love to encourage you to join a group 
where you can get to know Jesus better, a home group, or also to join a ministry team in which you can start to do the things that Jesus is doing, be more like him. Well, in the coming year, it's going to be working on a new strategy for our small groups and teams, and he'll be relaunching this 6.30 service as a time to start following Jesus and go deeper with him. Almost certainly we're going to hear more about that. So how will you go deeper with Jesus this year? Do whatever he tells you. And if you've been following Jesus deeper for a while now, then certainly he'll be asking you to go further with him. To go further for him. That means taking responsibilities for others, especially those who are uh, newly following him. It means um, discovering his compassion inside yourself for those who are in need. And it means, well, it may mean setting out on the road of faith and letting him lead you to places that you had no idea you were going to be going being unsure where Jesus is going to take you next. Well, there are going to be some great opportunities for going further for Jesus this year. You could join the Alpha team. Amongst many other opportunities, you could become a sides person here in the evening service. Or you could uh, join our PCC leadership team. Jit will be encouraging our um, house group leaders, and we're going to be recruiting for a growing leaders course. And we're also going to be welcoming later in the summer a new curate and his family, Adam and Mel, and their children, Maya and Tyler. It's going to be wonderful to have a curate in the curate's house again. Well, that may not be too challenging for us, but for them, that's going to mean going further for Jesus than they've yet been. And there may be some other challenges for you too. I think there may just possibly be an opportunity uh, to join a church planting team this year or next. Well, how will you go further for Jesus this year? Do whatever he tells you. Of course, our vision isn't going to stop here with prayer and following Jesus. These are just the first two of our vision goals out of which the rest are going to be built in time. Last year, I planted a vine because I love grapes. If you've listened to me preaching uh, before some while, then you're pretty likely to have heard stories from my childhood which demonstrate the truth of that. I love grapes, so I'm very much looking forward to the possibility of them uh, coming up sometime soon. I also quite like what comes out of grapes, as some of you may know. Apparently Jesus was okay with that too. That's quite reassuring. When I bought my vine, it came as a stump. It wasn't a big plant with grapes on. It was just a stump with some roots, a root stock. So I had to dig a big hole and I uh, planted it in it, I put some fertilizer in, I, I covered it all over, and I watered it. And then I had to wait, and wait, and wait. 
watered it some more when it got a bit dry and waited some more. Unseen by me, those roots were going down deep into the soil and sucking up the moisture and the nutrients. That's our first vision goal, our first prayer goal, is that our roots should go down deep into the subsoil of the Spirit, sucking up the nutrients of Christ's love, his joy, and his grace, his power for our vision. Over the following year, the vine grew a stem. It grew and grew taller and taller up the side of the house. No branches, no leaves anymore, certainly no grapes this year. But the trunk has been doing something very important. This stem has been growing thicker and stronger. And this is our second vision goal. For the stem of our church life, of our personal life, to grow thicker and stronger out of the goodness coming from the roots. Because the stronger the stem is, the more it can stand the storms of winter. And the bigger the branches, the, the, um, the, the stem, the trunk is, the more branches it can sustain and the sweeter and richer will be the grapes that grow on it. And I can see many branches growing from the trunk of our discipleship, our following Jesus deeper and further, coming up in the future. A center for strengthening marriage and family life, a hub for serious need in South Sea, a beacon or resourcing church for other churches, a church planting congregation, meeting in an effective, reordered, gale-free and warm building. Can you imagine it? But for these branches to be many and varied and the fruit on them to be sweet and rich, we each need to get our roots deep down in prayer and to grow a strong trunk of relationship with Jesus following him deeper and further. So my question to you is, what stage are you at with this grapevine? How do you need to grow next? Do whatever he tells you. I want to show you next um, some words of um, our PCC, just to... Uh, to encourage you that this is not my vision, this is our vision as a leadership team, and to, to tell you what this vision means to some of them. Nigel, thank you. Thank you, David. If you want to know more about our vision and its implications, then there's a larger vision booklet that will be available this week. Um, which will tell you about our plans and our budget and our staffing and our giving policies. As the booklet explains, we're going to need to make some really serious investment, uh, financial investment in this vision in order for it to grow, especially the staffing to sustain it. As you've heard, your leadership is committed to this level of staff expenditure, but we haven't the reserves to go on doing it indefinitely. 
So this is going to be a critical year for us. It's crucial that we raise our yearly giving by about £37,000, which means extra ongoing giving every month of about £3,000. It sounds a lot, but actually it's not that much if you break it down. I know that not everybody can afford to increase the giving they're already doing. I do know that. But if, for instance, we were to break down um, that giving by a hundred of us, not necessarily all at this congregation, but, but across our congregation at St. Jude's, that would only be something like £30 a month or £7.50 a week, which is just a few cups of Costa coffee a week or a couple of uh, cinema tickets every fortnight or, um, or half a tank of petrol um, every, every month. What I'd love you to do is to go home and pray about it and ask Jesus what he thinks you should be giving, not what I think you should be giving. Ask Jesus what you should do and do whatever he tells you. Whatever you agree with Jesus, whether to increase your giving or to leave it as it is, we love you to fill in the response brochure this year. Whatever you're doing, fill it in and bring it back at the end of the month, uh, the last Sunday of the month, 28th of February, it says there on the bottom of the brochure. And bring it back in so that we can all present our response to Jesus together in, in our final service at the end of the month. I'm going to finish just by uh, talking very, very briefly about the passage that the theme verse comes from. There's so much that I could say about Jesus' miracle at the wedding, but I just want to mention a few things very briefly that relate to our vision. And the first is that it's when we get to the end of our resources that Jesus really gets going. You see that in, on that wedding. It's, it's when... It's when the bridegroom discovers that he has no more wine to give out. That's the point that Jesus does something. And I know that we are coming to the end of our resources as a church for this vision. And so I'm looking to Jesus to, do, to help us to do something about that. Secondly, it needed someone to ask Jesus to pitch in. In the case of our story tonight, it was Jesus' mother, a powerful person to ask, clearly. But Jesus has invited all his disciples to take on that role, to be those who will ask him to be involved by his Spirit. So I'm asking you to ask Jesus to help us out here. Thirdly, Jesus doesn't create wine out of, out of nothing, he invites us to contribute what we can. I know if I were doing a collective worship, this is the point at which I would take a glass um, with, uh, with blackcurrant squash in the bottom and I'd pour the water in and, hey, presto, we'd, we'd have some wonderful wine. But that would be a cheat, wouldn't it? That would be a lie. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't ask us to pretend, you know, that actually what we've got is, is wine when it's just squash. 
Jesus invites us to bring what we have and who we are, water though it is, in the um, jug that we have, and then he makes it into the amazing wine that only he can produce, the transformation of people's lives. I'm not asking you to pretend that your lives have been transformed. I'm inviting you to bring your lives as they are and let Jesus transform them. This was a, um, it's a bottle of wine we were given last night, um, two nights ago, by uh, somebody who's lived in France. So I'm sure that this is not plonk, okay? And it's certainly not blackcurrant squash. It's, it's wonderful wine that Jesus will produce out of the ordinariness of our lives. That's what we're asking for in this vision. And fourthly, if we want to see Jesus work, if we want to see him do that, take the wine, the water of our lives and produce from it the wine of his life, then we're going to need to do what he tells us to do, however improbable. Now you may say that the budgets that the... Um, the PCC have agreed through heart-searching and prayer through this year is a ridiculous one and very improbable that we should raise another 37,000 pounds of ongoing giving in this gift day. But all I can say to you is they believed that that was what God was asking them to do and so they have done it. They have said yes to that. So I'm looking for God to take the wine of our current um, budget situation and out of it produce a vision that will change South Sea. And finally, when we do all of that, when we acknowledge that we've come to the end of what we have, when we ask Jesus to make a difference in our lives, when we bring him the ordinariness of our lives and Invite him to turn it into the rich wine of his life, of his transformed life within us. When we do what, whatever he tells us to do, then I guarantee we will see him do amazing things through us. Jesus will use us to turn ordinary water, ordinary life, not into plonk, not into blackcurrant squash, but into the wonderful wine of his life. Jesus' love, transforming lives from right here in the heart of South Sea. So shall we do that? Shall we do whatever he tells us to do? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to see you transforming lives through your love here in the heart of South Sea. We know we don't have anything very special to bring you, but we ask you to make a difference, to take who we are and what we are and what we have, the little resources available at our disposal, and out of that together, build something strong and big that will bear many branches and such rich fruit for you. Lord, 
transform the water of our lives into the wine of your love, your experience, your grace, and your joy.